Father God, Lord, I pray that you would just, um, Lord, help us to concentrate, Lord. Lord, in a, in a way, I'm so overwhelmed and with just joy, just excited, Lord. And Lord, I just want to praise you. Lord, and I thank you for your word. And Lord, I pray that we would just calm ourselves, that we would listen to what you have for us, Father. I pray that you would so not be my words, not be my thoughts, Father, but what you want to speak to us. Lord, prepare us now to receive your word. Lord, I pray that it would change our hearts and it would change our lives. Thank you so much for it. In Jesus' name. So, I say every week, this is really important stuff, right? So this is really important stuff, all right? That's my introduction. All right. So we're going to jump right into where we were last week. And I just want to read that from James 2. And one thing, if you don't have your Bible, we have it up here. But I would encourage you to bring your Bible. And we actually have now Spanish Bibles that are in the translation that's up here. So if you want a Spanish Bible to be able to read along, um, that's the same as what we're, as what Melanie's reading and what's on the screen, we've got those too. But let's start with James 2, uh, 14 through 17, where we were last week. It says, What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith, but does not have works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, Go in peace, be warmed and filled, without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? So also, faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. So we answered that question last week. Is there any profit, is there any benefit in faith that doesn't have works? And the answer is this so-called faith, if it doesn't have works, it's of no profit, it's of no benefit, not to me, not to you, not to God, not to others. It's of no benefit. So if we agree that the gospel is true, but the gospel is not demonstrated through our words and through our lives, it's worthless. That we would make the gospel worthless. And we talked about this idea of works and tried to get a better understanding of works because I think I know from my past, from my understanding, works was a dirty word. But works is this product, this product that God produces in us through His Word. And it's a result of what God has initiated because of this gospel seed He's planted inside of us in our hearts. And that gospel seed grows and that gospel seed produces more faith. And then through that we become these producers of works. Works producers. Literally, these works that are motivated by the gospel and these works that model the gospel. Authentic faith serves. That was the point of last week. If we truly believe, it's going to lead to action. If we truly believe, then we're going to love others. We're going to serve others. We're going to consider others before we consider ourselves. But I ask you guys the question, do we really believe that? Do we really believe this question that James is asking, that faith, if it does not have works, is worthless? Do we truly believe that? 
It's tough to embrace. My mind starts to get defensive. And I think James knew that. And James knew that of his audience. That they would have a defense ready. And so that's where he starts today. And so let's read through the passage. And then we'll work through it. Alright, so verse 18. But someone will say, You have faith, I have works. Show me your faith, apart from your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that God is one, you do well. Even the demons believe and shudder. Do you want to be shown, you foolish person, that faith apart from works is useless? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered up his son Isaac on the altar? You see that faith was active along with his works, and faith was completed by his works. And the scripture was filled that says, that says Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness. And he was called a friend of God. You see that a person is justified by works and not by faith alone. And in the same way was not also Rahab the prostitute justified for works by works when she received the messengers and sent them out by another way. For as the body apart from the spirit is dead, so also faith apart from works is dead. So someone says, but... They come with the defense. You're telling me that faith and works are distinct. Faith and works are two different things. But they're saying, wait, wait, they're separate though. And what James is saying is they are distinct, but they're always together. And James says, let's consider the evidence. Let's talk about this. He says, I want you to show me. Are you ready to show me? Because I'm ready to show you. I'll make it clear that faith is always accompanied by works. And I don't think that it's he's saying that, that faith, or we always, you hear this uh, saying that actions speak louder than words. I don't think he's saying that. I think he's just saying, my actions will prove my words. What I say, what I believe, is proven by what I do. And as we came together as a body, and we started this thing called Living Stones, and I was talking to Nita this week, a year ago, I knew Emmanuel and Melanie. I knew Larry, but he wasn't here. I knew Rebecca, but she wasn't here. I didn't know any of you, anybody else. It's crazy what God has done in, in a year's time, less than a year's time, that we would have these relationships, that we would be this body together, functioning together. But as we came together and we started, we've got to be about discipleship. Let's be a church that's a, a church of disciples. And well, who's going to disciple? How are we going to function? How are we going to facilitate this? Who's going to disciple the people? What's this going to look like? And we could have asked for resumes. We could have asked for you to write a 500-word essay as to why you should, what you've done in your Christian life. Are you qualified? We could have heard of whatever you think. Tell me what your statement of belief. What are the things that you believe? But instead we said, let's just live together. Let's just serve together. Let's just watch each other. Let's see each other's life. Let's see what we show. You watch me. I'll watch you. We'll see how we live it out. Do we truly believe what we say we believe? And I know at work, it's always better 
If I have to hire someone, if I'm hiring a new therapist, I would rather hire a new grad, someone who just got out of school, if they were a student at our hospital. Because if they were a student at our hospital, I got to watch them for 12 weeks. And I got to watch them interact with the therapists, I got to watch them interact with the nurses, with the doctors, and with the patients. I got to see their skills, I got to see what they did, not just the knowledge that was in their head. And I would rather hire them, after watching them for 12 weeks, than somebody off the street with an amazing resume. And so this is what James is saying to this Jewish congregation. He's saying, your statement of belief, what you say you believe, alone, that's worthless. And you look at verse 19. It says, you believe that God is one. You do well. What James is referring to is the, the Jewish Shema. It was called the Shema. And it was the way that if you were a good Jew, you would start your day reciting the Shema. You would pray the Shema. You would, throughout the day, you would say the Shema. At the end of the day, you would say the Shema. It was the, the foundation of the Jewish faith. Everything that the Jews believed, their scripture was based on this one verse. That the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And James is being sarcastic here. All right. The, oh, you do well. That's great. It's really good. It's great that you believe that. And as I'm reading this, and I, I was studying some different commentaries, and it says, well, you know, right belief or orthodoxy, you know, appropriate belief, that's better than wrong belief. And as I looked at it further, I'm like, I don't think that's what James is saying. I mean, he just says it's worthless. If faith without works, if it's not together, it's worthless. I mean, right beliefs are better than wrong beliefs, right? Isn't it of some value, of some benefit, of some profit? If I believe all the right things, if I think all the right things, even if it's not demonstrated in my life, even if it doesn't change my heart, if I just believe the right things, isn't that better than believing the wrong things? And I struggle with that this week. And all I can see that James is saying here is, no, it's of no benefit. It's worthless. It's not of some worth. It's of no worth. And then he says, even the demons believe. The demons believe and they shudder. It's of no worth. These are, these are beings that are, that are opposed to God and opposed to His work, and they believe. They have right belief. They understand God for who He is. Their orthodoxy, their belief is right. And because of that, they shudder. They're, they're opposed to God, and so they're shudder. They, they're fearful. But it's of no worth to them. It's of no value. And as you look at the Shema, because I was studying this and I was amazed. Like Jenny said, I feel like God was just showing off. Because if you look before this verse in chapter 6, verse 4, Hero Israel, the Lord our God is one. Just before that in verse 3, he says, Hear, therefore, hear, O Israel, and be careful to do. Hear Israel and be careful to do. And the next thing is that it may go well with you. 
para que te vaya bien. And we've heard that before. We've heard that in James. James says, be a hearer of the word and then be careful to do it. And if you do it, then you're going to be a blessed doer. God is saying the same thing. It's the same message. And as you look at verse 5, he says, this is what you're going to do. This is the response. This is the action. He says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. That's what you're to do. And then verse 6, and these words that I command you today, they shall be on your hearts. Just as James has told us. This love for God is going to result in a love for your neighbor. And I'm going to plant this gospel in your heart. So be careful to hear it. And then be sure to do it. And as you do it, you'll be blessed. It's the exact same thing that James has told us. It's what he told this audience. This is the same God. And I think typically I was thinking about us. What would James say to us about our statement of belief? This was their, the Shema was their statement of belief. And I think typically we actually misname our statement of beliefs and we call them statement of faith. But we should have a statement of belief, what we believe, or a statement of practice what we do. Because I believe this, this is what we do. And those two things combined together, that's my statement of faith. Because I believe this, this is what how I respond. Because I believe this, this is how we act. Because we believe this, this is what we're involved in and what we focus on and prioritize on. And as you look in the churches, I can't find any statement of practices. All I can find are statements of belief. This is what we believe. These are all the things that we think are true. And they list these long pages. And we have one. And I looked on our site. I'm like, oh, but it says on our essential beliefs. You can click here to view our, our, our full statement of beliefs. And I was like, oh, I, I did. I called it a statement of beliefs. So I felt so good. And I clicked on the link to go to look at our statement of beliefs. And right at the top, it says statement of faith. And I was like, ah! So I changed it. I was like, that's not a statement of faith, it's a statatement of belief. But I show this because I want you guys to know this is here. I want you guys to go online. I want you to look at these things and to walk through them and consider them. And as you look at our statement of faith, we also have, we don't have a statement of practice, but, but we have what I call core beliefs. And core beliefs is because I believe this, this is what I do. And then we have priorities. This is what we focus on. And so our core beliefs, because I believe this, I can't help but do, is that we're gospel driven. That everything we do, everything we consider as a church, as individuals, should be gospel driven. It's because of the gospel, because of the person and the work of Jesus Christ, that's why we do what we do. And that's the priority, and that's the focus, and that's the motivation for everything we do, is what Jesus did for us. And as we are driven by that gospel, we're two things. We're church-centered and we're neighbor-focused. And those things sound like they can't be true at the same time, but they sound like they're, they're competing, right? But we're supposed to do both at the same time. We're supposed to be church-centered, to, to build each other up, to equip the saints for the works of ministry, to share our lives, to, to be transformed with each other. But then we're also to be loving and, and focusing on our neighbors. We're to be demonstrating this love that we have. And our priorities. The first is reconciliation. This is what we should be doing. We say in our vision statement that we're reconciled and reconciling 
And this just means that our relationship with God has been made right. And because our relationship with God has been made right, that we have this now ministry of reconciliation and we're to go and, and assist others to make their relationship with God right. But not just God to people, but people to people. We're also to help reconcile people to people. That as we as a church come together, if we've been reconciled vertically, we should also be reconciled horizontally with each other. Our lives should reflect that. And so as we're reconciled, then we're to embody Christ. We're to represent Him. We're to be incarnational. That our lives should look like Jesus' lives. We should be doing the things that Jesus did, saying the things that Jesus said. Our lives should represent Him. And so as, as God sent Jesus to represent Him, now Jesus sent us, the church, to represent Christ. That's our job description. Represent Him. So we've been reconciled. We represent Him. And then as we do that, we proclaim Him. We proclaim this gospel that drives us. And when I say proclamation, I mean we proclaim it with our mouths. We, we cannot not proclaim it with our mouths. But then we're also to demonstrate it with our lives. We proclaim the gospel and we demonstrate the gospel. And they should match. They should go together. What we believe and what we practice. When I was at Moody, my last assignment was to do this uh, ministry profile. And it was a big, multiple pages, all these parts that I had to turn in, like, for my portfolio. And there were multiple parts. I had to state what I believed, what were the doctrines that I believed, what did I believe about God's Word, what did I believe about the Godhead, what, what did I believe about all these things. And I remember just flying through that. After all my class, I knew what I believed. But then one of the other things was, what do you feel that God has called you to? What do you feel that God is asking you to focus on? What does He have for you? And I processed through that a little bit slower. And then I got to the last part. And it says, because you believe this, and because you feel like God has called you to this, now, what are you going to do? What is your life going to look like? How are you going to live that out? What actions are you going to take? And that was hard. That was the hardest thing that I ever did in my time in school. I wrote paper after paper and about what I believed, about what I thought. But when it got down to the end, it says, now, what are you going to do? And that's hard. And we, we disconnect that so many times. And so I want to ask you guys to consider this. I want to ask you as you sit in your discipleship, as you talk with each other and you share with each other this week, I want you to ask yourself, what do you believe? Think about that. Write it down. And because you believe this, okay, well, what is God calling you to? What is God calling you to as a part of this body? What is God calling you to in this neighborhood? What does God have for your life? What's the work that He wants you to participate in? And then if He's called you to that, what's it actually going to look like? What actions are you going to take that reflect this belief that you have? And that's hard. And I encourage you, write it down. I can think through it, go to sleep at night, and I don't remember what happened yesterday. But if you write it down and then you go back to look at it, it's going to assist you. It's going to be convicting. Write it down. Share that with each other this week. Share that with each other as you continue to meet. We must consider our practice and our actions. Jesus said the world will know us 
Not what, but not by what we proclaim we believe, but how we what? How we love each other, what we do, how we act, how we live out our lives. And there are hypocrites after hypocrites who have great, perfect, right, orthodox statement of beliefs. But they're void of practice. They don't do anything about it. So faith and works are distinct, but they're not separate. We're saved by faith alone. We're saved by faith alone, nothing else. But our faith does not remain alone. As soon as we believe, as soon as we, as we have faith, then God should, should produce works. It should begin to produce. And from that point on, our faith is always accompanied by works. It's always accompanied by a product. And in verse 20, James says, he says, do you want to be shown, you foolish person? He says, you know this. He calls them foolish. He calls them stupid. Like, you have this information, and i got to tell it to you again. I've got to show you again. And remember, over and over again, he's called them brothers, my dear brothers, my dear brothers. And now he's saying, look, you foolish person, do you want me to show you? You know this. Okay, I'm going to show it to you. And I thought, well, that never happens to me. What I know, I do. And Nidia and I, as we have been talking with couples about marriage, talking with couples about what marriage looks like and how to live that out. And here's some hints. Here's what God's Word says about that. Here's how the Gospel applies to your marriage. And, and you need to put your wife before yourself. You need to consider her before you consider yourself. Do these things. We start talking that and speaking that. And I, I'm like... I know so much about how you should care for your wife. I believe so much about how God's Word says I should love my wife. And as we're sitting there around the table, as we're sharing these words, I'm convicted, like, I know so much and I don't do it. I do it every once in a while. But it's not consistent. It's not what naturally comes out of me. So if your marriage is hurting, you should counsel others. It just makes a lot of sense. For one thing, Nina and I will get done and we're like, wow, I'm so glad we're past year one through three. We don't ever have to do that again. But at the same time, you realize, I know so much and I don't do it. And that's what James is telling his audience. And that's what we need to hear. We know so much and we don't do it. So James gives them an example. He gives them this illustration of Abraham and he gives them an illustration of Rahab. And before we consider what he says about Abraham, understand that Abraham was the father of the faith. He was the most revered Jewish man to have ever existed. He was who God used to begin this nation. They wouldn't have questioned that he had faith. And before we get to what James says, that he talks about this sacrifice, this willingness to sacrifice his son Isaac, you have to realize what happened before. Abraham had told God, he had, I mean, God had spoken to Abraham and told him, says, I'm going to make of you a mighty nation. I'm going to multiply you. He says, look at the stars in the heaven. I'm going to be, make your offspring like that. 
And Abraham believed. And it was counted to him as righteousness. Abraham's wife was over 100. They waited over 100 years for their son to be born. They continued on by faith. Abraham didn't have multiple sons. He had one son. And this was who God was going to deliver through. He was going to, through Isaac, was going to realize this promise. And so then God asked him to sacrifice his son. It doesn't make any sense. As Abraham would look around, I'm sure he didn't feel like sacrificing his son. I'm sure, based on the situation, it doesn't make any sense. Why in the world would he do that? Everything that God had promised him was not going to come true if, if Abraham sacrificed him. But Abraham says, regardless of the situation, regardless of the circumstances, regardless of how I feel, this is what you've told me, and I'm going to act upon it. I'm going to do it. By faith, I'm going to believe and then choose to act. And that demonstrates that Abraham believed that God would provide, that Abraham believed truly that God was trustworthy. And I don't want us to miss that Abraham, I mean, that God came through after Abraham acted. Abraham was willing and he began to act. And when he began to act, God came through. Authentic faith. We talked about that it serves. But authentic faith also sacrifices. And how many times do we have an opportunity to exercise our faith just a little bit to make one small action to, to, to act based on what we believe and we just let the opportunity go by and we limit God. If we would just act in faith and respond, little bitty things, God would do huge, wonderful, amazing things. That's all He wants is for us to respond. And how many times do we limit Him? So I want you to think of your Isaac. Think of the thing that if God asks you to do, what's the one thing when you say, when you pray, that you don't dare pray because you don't want God to ask you to do that? I've heard prayer after prayer of people talking about I want to seek God's will but here are the three things that I don't want him to ask me or ask me to do that's the things I'm not going to pray for okay God you can have all of this but, but this is the part I want to hold on to God is asking us if your faith is authentic you need to be willing to sacrifice anything that's precious to you anything that's dear to you based on his word based on what he's calling you to do knowing that he will supply knowing that he'll exceed our expectations. So the first example was expected. They expected to hear about Abraham. The second example, he brings up Rahab. Rahab was not a Jew. She was a Gentile. Rahab was not a man. She was a woman. Rahab was not wealthy. She was poor. And Rahab was a prostitute. And he says, I've just told you about the faith of the, of the father of our faith. And now I'm going to tell you about this prostitute, Gentile, poor woman. 
And if you look at the story of Rahab, even her faith, her faith act, like what she did, we can look on her act and say, well, well, she lied and she deceived and even what she did against her country was like, it was treasonous. And we're quick to read that story and we'll judge her based on what she did. That is not right. I don't know how she got in Hebrews in this hall of faith. It makes no sense. But if you look, and we won't go there, I just want to show you guys how God's word is woven together. And it's the same thread that goes throughout. If you look in Joshua 2, it says that Rahab had heard this God of the Israelites. She knew of this God. She had heard. And then the very next verse says, she declared what she believed. She declared that he was the Lord. She proclaimed it with her mouth. And then she responded. She acted. She received the spies. She sent them out the back. She cared for them. She put her life at stake because of what she had heard and what she believed. She demonstrated it with her actions. She gave up her identity and she fully identified with God and with his people. Authentic faith sells out. And as Melanie was telling me this morning, we were going over some of these words. She's like, well, sell out. That's like a negative term, right? And I remember sitting when I was in the 10th grade on the sofa with my best friend's dad. And he's sharing the gospel with me. And he says, Brit, I said, I want to do this. He's like, don't, no, I don't, don't do this unless you are fully 100% committed. He's like, don't do this unless you're willing to sell out. If you're willing to sell out, if you're willing to go in all the way, then do this. Sell out. But if you're going to hold on to anything, don't do it. Don't do it. And I heard yesterday, as I sat in my den with Sergio and with Ernesto, and I heard Sergio's heart, what Ernesto had already told me. And, and Sergio says, I'm all in. He says, I want to follow. It's like, I don't want to talk about the past. I don't want to talk about my issues. I want to talk about God and I want to follow Him. And I want to understand what I need to do to be obedient because that's what I want to do. And the more I understand, the more I'm going to do. But I am all in. I want to follow Him. I want to be a part of this church. I want to be a part of you guys. This is what I want to do. And he didn't know all the flowery church words to say, but I could clearly see his heart. His faith was real. And he says, I want to act to prove it. I'm ready to be obedient. And that's what God wants from us. God wants us to respond. And today, as we go over to Trent, and we have two baptisms, that is a picture of this. That is a picture of selling out. That they're going to come and say, I am completely identifying now with God, and I'm identifying with His body, with the church. That I'm all in. That I'm proclaiming this to everybody. I'm telling you, I'm all in. What's the application for us in all this? And as I thought through the last two weeks, and I've talked about works, I've talked about works, I've talked about this product that God should produce in us. I don't want us to get lost and focus 
on the works. We need to focus on God. We need to focus on loving God. And if we love God, and if we seek to serve Him, then these works will be natural. These works will happen. If we love God, we're going to love our neighbor. If we truly love God, then how can we go and not love our neighbor? If we truly love God, how could these gospel works not be produced in us? So don't focus on these works. Focus on loving God. And then the natural result of that will be these works. But as we interact with each other and we speak in each other's lives, if we don't see the works, then we need to ask, are you loving God? Because I don't see it being producing works in your life. True faith will always be accompanied by works. And I told you to think about your lives. Think about the works in your life. And my fear is that you might look at your life and say, I don't have many works. I better get busy making works. I need to manufacture my own works. And I want to tell you that you cannot produce works. You don't need to go creating them. God will give you opportunity after opportunity after opportunity on a daily basis, on a regular basis to respond to Him in faith and choose to act in a way based on what you believe that will produce these works in you. It will happen. It will happen before you go to sleep tonight. You just have to have your eyes open. You have to look for the opportunity. And it's, all, it's always little things. It can be small acts, little pieces of faith, just a, like a mustard seed, and God will do amazing things. If we just be faithful in these little things, God will do amazing things. And I thought about us as a body, and two of the things that we've done, and probably two of the things that I've heard the most, and I say this lovingly, the most grumbling about, was when we were first got to the gym and we decided to go do this survey in the neighborhood. We're going to go find out what our neighbors, how can we serve them? How can we love them? What is it that they need? How can we help meet those needs? How can we just come alongside and love them and show them that? So we asked. We asked. We went by door to door and asked the service. And from that survey, from that small act, we knocked on the door of Sergio. Sergio came to the door. Renee and Nima prayed with him. And through that small act, we began to develop a relationship with Sergio. Through that small act of faith, you're actually living out what we believe. If we're going to love our neighbors, let's actually ask our neighbors, how can we love you? We did that. And through that, God has brought a new son into his kingdom. Through that, God has saved a life. The other piece, we made cookies. On Tuesday nights, we started baking cookies. Like, well, how can we just sort of tell our neighbors that we love them? Well, let's bake cookies. It was really cool the first time, and we were having fun, and we went and gave them out. And they were like, well, what are we going to do next? What's next week? We're going to bake more cookies. And, well, this, we're not really seeing a lot of fruit. Nothing's really happening. Okay, we're going to continue to give out cookies. We bought a lot of dough. We need to finish it. And one of the doors that was knocked on was Maricruz. And through knocking on that door, through giving cookies, a relationship began. 
through that small act of faith, if we believe that God is calling, calling us to this, we're going to do it, and we did it, and a relationship occurred, and now again, God has brought his, another daughter into his kingdom. Lives have been changed, hearts have been transformed for all of eternity by these little, small, what seem like worthless acts of baking cookies and of taking a survey. And as you think through that, and you say, well, I didn't knock on the door. I didn't, wasn't a part of those relationships. And, and really, I don't have a lot of skill. I don't have a lot of knowledge. I don't have a lot of background and experience in this bread. I don't, I don't even know what to do. And I want you to know that's okay. If you look at the example of Rahab, she was the last person in the world that could have produced works. She was not the right ethnicity. She was not the right class. Her condition was questionable. Her actions were questionable. But she had faith. That's all that God wants is faith. If you believe, and you believe enough to act on it. And all God wants you to do because of your faith is serve. All He wants is for you to serve. Anyone can serve. And so I ask you, what is God calling you to do as a part of this body? How does He want you to serve? Ask God. I promise God will tell you. I promise God will show you. You say, God, I believe this. I do believe this. Give me a way that I can respond. Give me a way that I can demonstrate my faith. I want to serve. It's not about me. It's about this body. It's about this neighborhood. How can I serve? That's a prayer that God will answer. So our faith needs to be lived out. And as I conclude, I just want to show you this next passage in Matthew 7. I showed you this in the Old Testament. The same idea. Hear the word. Do the word. You'll be blessed. James says it. And if you look at Jesus' words here, this is at the end of the Sermon on the Mount. And in verse 21, he says, Not everyone who says to me, not everyone who proclaims, not everyone who says, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does. That's the same word that James uses. The one who produces. The one who produces according to the will of my Father who is in heaven. Then look at verse 24. It says, Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them and produces according to them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. What we truly do is what we truly believe. That's a core belief. We're going to act and we're going to respond based on what we really believe. And our core belief needs to be, our core belief should be, our core belief must be the gospel. The person and the work of Jesus Christ. If we believe that, we're going to act in certain ways. And as I share that and I throw that term around, this idea of gospel, and the gospel is good news. The good news is not good news unless you understand that you have a problem. What good is the solution unless you have a problem? And so I want to say that the gospel 
It points to the fact that we're broken. It points to the fact that we cannot do what we need to do to be right before God. We're sinful. We fall short. We're inadequate. We've gone our own way. But the gospel is the news that but God. But God. Despite us, but God, by His grace and by His mercy, He came after us. By His grace and by His mercy, He went to the cross. By His grace and by His mercy, He paid for our punishment. We deserve to go to hell. We deserve to suffer for all of eternity, to be crucified ourselves over and over and over again for all of eternity, and then that still wouldn't be long enough. That's what we deserve. But God, He took that punishment for us. And God now, if we join Him in that death, then we join Him in that resurrection. He's given us this new life. That's the good news. That's the gospel. It was gracious and it was sacrificial. And if we understand that, that He's done that for us, then it will change our lives. It will change our hearts. It will change what we do. It will change the way we live it out. And so before you get focused on all this doing and all this, how am I going to respond? How am I going to act? The first thing that you have to do is you have to believe that about yourself, that you are nothing, that you are broken. And if you truly believe the gospel, the first act, the first thing that you will do is to repent. If I believe this is true, the only thing I can do is repent. And when I say repent, I mean it means that I was going in this direction, that I was going my own way, I was making up my life according to me, as according to what felt best, according to what I thought was right. And I realized I'm wrong. And I'm going to turn around. I'm going to do a complete 180. And instead of following my own way, I'm going to follow God. I'm selling out. I'm with Him. I'm leaving myself, my old life behind. God will give me a new life. So that faith, if we believe the gospel, we're going to repent. And that repentance results in salvation. We initially respond that way. And then day after day, we continue to respond in the same manner. We continue to respond, continue to act based on the gospel. So we must proclaim the gospel ongoing with our words and with our lives. And my question is, if people watched you this week, they watched your life, they watched how you interacted with people, they watched how you treated your spouse, how you treated your kids, they watched how you treated your classmates, whatever it may be, your co-workers, and you couldn't tell them, you couldn't speak anything to them about your life, what would they think? What conclusions would they make? If somebody was able to watch us as a body, to watch living stones, to watch what we do, to watch how we love, what conclusions would they make about us? And my prayer is that it would leave them with a question. It would leave them with this question, is that why in the world do y'all love the way you love? Why in the world are you serving the way you're serving? Why in the world do you love your neighbor as yourself? How can you do that? Why are you putting them first? How are you living this way sacrificially and graciously? And then when the world is asking that, we get to respond. Let me tell you about Jesus. Let me tell you about this gospel. Let me tell you about what God has done in my life. It should be about our lives, our entire lives. And so I'm going to quit. And I've got a little clip I want you to hear. It's one minute. 
and it's of a preacher and because I believe that he says much better than I could ever say what I wanted to communicate that we would serve with our lives and so I want you to listen to this and as he says um, he says drum major a few times and in context of his sermon what that means is a leader I want to lead in this I want to be out in front I want to be leading the band I'm going to be a drum major they're going to be following my lead and so when he says drum major he's talking about leading the charge and he's just talked about what is it going to be like at my funeral what are people going to say about me just what I mentioned if people looked at our lives what are they going to say not what am I going to say that I believe what are they going to say that I believe and so I want us to listen to this and consider our lives. Say that I was a drum major for justice. Say that I was a drum major for peace. I was a drum major for righteousness. And all of the other shallow things will not matter. I won't have any money to leave behind. I won't have the fine and luxurious things of life to leave behind. But I just want to leave a committed life behind. And that's all I want to say. If I can help somebody as I pass along, if I can cheer somebody with a word of song, if I can show somebody he's traveling wrong, then my living will not be in vain. If I can do my duty as a Christian or if I can bring salvation to a world once wrought, if I can spread the message as the Master taught, then my living will not be in vain. Yes, Jesus, I want to be... The point behind that, as we've asked this question, would our faith be worthless? And he says, this is what I want my life to be. And he demonstrates those actions based on his belief. And if that's the case, then our lives won't be worthless. If that's the case, then our lives won't be in vain. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for this morning. Lord, thank you for your word. Lord, thank you that it's so amazing to see how it speaks the same message. Lord, as we look at the Old Testament, as we look at the New Testament, as we look at the Gospels and the words of Christ, Lord, you're saying the same thing to us. Hear my word. Believe my word. And do my word. And you will be blessed. Father, may we be doers of your word. Lord, I don't want to be a hypocrite who says one thing and does another, Father. Lord, may you make living stones a church of disciples that do. And may we show your love, Father. Produce works in us. Amongst us, Father, as we serve each other. And in our neighborhood as we seek to love our neighbors. Lord, may you be glorified. Lord, I pray that our lives, that this church would not be worthless. In Jesus' name. Amen.